When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... Like beer? I don't know if you do. Okay. you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, Mom, I want a vape. Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you? Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Sammy Fishbein. I'm Amanda Duberman. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Up podcast is your bi-weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happening in the news explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we have a very special guest and a very special announcement to make. Amanda, I'm going to let you take it away. Yes. Today we are here with Pamzele Mlabonuko, the United Nations Undersecretary General and Executive Director of UN Women. She has devoted her career to the advancement of human rights in government, civil society, and the private sector, having worked end apartheid in her home country of South Africa, where she was also member of parliament from 1994 to 1996 as part of the country's first democratic government. She held a number of high-level government roles there before serving as the deputy president of South Africa from 2005 to 2008, and she has led UN Women since 2013. We're so beyond honored you're with us today. Thank you. That is, I mean, the most impressive resume one could ever have. Yes. So next week begins the 64th session on the UN Commission on the Status of Women. Can you tell us about what that is and what you are hoping to achieve this year in particular? Thank you very much for having me and hello to your listeners. We have this uh, every year, the Commission on the Status of Women, where we gather uh, member states, uh, the 192 members of the United Nations. We have civil society, women's organizations, individuals, funny people, mm-hmm. all gathering every year to review the status of women in the world. And this year, because it's 25 years after the adoption of the Beijing Declaration, it is even more special. We had uh, 11,000 civil society activists registered to come to this event and that is outside governments but because of the coronavirus we have had to scale down to uh, restrict it so that people who are coming from outside new york outside the u.s uh, do not come to the, to, to to the event and we're only just to host it with the members who are here in New York, which is which is a pity, and we hope that on a later day, when the health situation is clearer and better, we can then uh, convene. But there are other events that uh, are going to take place. Yeah, this year is really a landmark year for UN Women, and we have a lot to talk about. We wanted to start with this weekend, this Sunday is International Women's Day, 
And I know your group has some really exciting plans for that. How are you marking the occasion this year? Well, we are marking this uh, uh, by firstly bringing in those who were in Beijing 25 years ago, the veterans, the people that in the last 25 years have been the torchbearers of the struggle for, for women's rights, the ones that have pushed for passing of laws uh, that protect women's rights, the ones that have uh, been demonstrating for women's participation in governments and, and, and in parliaments, uh, the many people who have been uh, climate activists, and thank God now it is so much uh, of, of, of an issue that younger people are also joining in, women who have demanded equal pay, all of those who have been working in different parts of the world uh, will be uh, amongst those represented to celebrate Women's Day as But we'll mix them with young people, so we'll have an intergenerational dialogue. Uh, an 11-year-old who is a coder and commands a lot of following with a woman who's nine who's 80, year, or 80 years old, who has been working in women's rights, exchanging the views about how they want to see the world uh, moving forward. We are having the Prime Minister of Finland, who is uh, very cool, Samarin, very young, yeah. yes. But uh, we think that uh, also because of the health situation, she might end up uh, maybe giving us a video, but we, we want to hear her voice. She is our keynote speaker. And we will have a fantastic musician, Angelina Kijo, who uh, is a Grammy uh, Award-winning uh, musician who is passionate about girls' education. So it will be a little bit of each, yeah. and, uh, but also serious discussions about the future. That's, a, that's incredible. So for our, some of our listeners who may not know, what was the, Be the Beijing Declaration and what did it achieve? And did it accomplish what, you had what it had been hoped to accomplish when it was yeah. Yeah. created? Very good question, because uh, I get a, that a lot from people who were probably not even born uh, uh, 25 years yeah. ago. Some of them who were uh, just five years old, uh, they don't really understand what this is all about. Uh, that declaration was an agreement of <coughs> countries about how to ensure that each country protects women's rights in law and in practice. It was also to ensure that there were standards that were set about what is acceptable and not acceptable as far as women are concerned. For, for instance, before 1995, we did not have the, the notion of a girl child. We used just to talk about children. As a result, it hid child marriage, which only happens to girls. It hid female genital mutilation, which only happens to girls. And the fact that girls could be discriminated against when it comes to enrollment in schools. As a result of women in Beijing fighting for the girl child to be positioned just like that, it opened Pandora's box. Wow. But in a good way, it made more girls to go to school. We are now fighting child marriage. We have passed laws. We have initiatives and different actors who are addressing these issues. Before 1994, only a handful of countries had laws that fought to end violence against women. As we speak now, there's only 45 countries that did not have satisfactory law. So there is more than 100 countries that have passed the laws. When we met in Beijing, only Sweden had uh, a law on paternity leave. Right now, we have 90 countries. Oh. So it's been, it was a point at which 
countries set standards for themselves so that you can call out countries for not doing it. But before that, you could not call out could not call them out for not doing anything because there was nothing agreed. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. So what's sort of the next stage or phase of that that we're trying to work towards now? So now we, you know, for the most part, except for those 45 countries, have um, been able to stop child marriage and female genital mutilation. But what is, so for the countries that have now, you know, caught up to that, what's the sort of next push for? But, you know, what has happened has not been what we had hoped for in Beijing in the sense that we have not done everything that was promised in Beijing. The glass is half full. There's still so much more to do. Uh, For instance, even though 131 countries have passed laws that uh, are addressing discrimination against women, there's still so many more laws to address in those countries. So you have to push the countries to do more and more and more. We want faster and we want uh, to also make sure that we scale up the the initiatives. Uh, For instance, uh, in parliaments, only 25% of legislators in parliament on a global average are women. We are half of the population. We want 50%. So we, ha- we are therefore now at a stage where we have to move from this 25% to 50%. In terms of manage- ma- ma- management positions in the private sector, also only around 25%. So this is the moment where we know it can be done. Women want to do it. Let's get it done faster. So what are some of the specific tactics or techniques or just ways that UN Women goes about pushing these countries farther in terms of their policy? Vote for women. (laughs) That's one way to do it. Because if you vote for women, they make things happen. But also you need to increase the representation of women because having a seat in the table is where you are able to make change happen. So we engage with countries. We, we engage with women themselves to uh, push them, to avail themselves, uh, to participate, and we engage other women to vote for them. We also deal with the changing of laws in, 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 in countries. We actually go to countries and say, you know, this law and this law in your country is not right. Or in this way and this way, you actually need to address this gap 
in your country so you can pass this law and this law in order to make it right. And then we help them to achieve that. So all the time, all over the world, my teams are actually working in different parliaments and senates, working with legislators, getting them to make the changes. Amazing. Have any challenges, uh, the Beijing Declaration and Platform for a Action was the most progressive blueprint for the advancement of, of women's rights. I'm curious if any challenges on a global, from a global perspective have emerged since then that that platform might not have anticipated. Uh, oh yes, yeah. definitely. Uh, firstly, let me just say it is very encouraging that uh, since uh, this platform, Beijing platform was adopted, there has not been any country that has withdrawn from it. Wow. And uh, countries the remain, yeah. absolutely, because <laughs> of all this pushback that we see now, you know, anything is possible, but countries have stuck yeah. with it. And uh, in fact, last year, we reviewed the implementation of the platform and 170 countries did reviews and wrote reports to us to tell us what, they've, what they have done, where, what are the gaps, where they've had successes and what they intend to do. Uh, going forward. So that has been encouraging because we have a lot of literature to work with. We have a lot of data that is assisting us to, to know where we, we need uh, to, to support them. But yeah. uh, in terms of what is new, climate was not as strong in Beijing. Uh, it has emerged as a, a really strong issues. It's, it's an existential issue. Uh, it has now come forward and we are pushing it forward. Uh, technology and innovation was not a big issue in Beijing, but now we know that if we don't address and tackle technology and bring women into technology, uh, women are, li are likely to be left behind. But we, we have to also make sure that we bring in young, young people who are the ones that are going to be the future, and that is why we have generation equality. Generation equality is, a, is an augmentation of a, 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 a Beijing to add the new issues that have arisen, but also to include more participants. Because, for instance, private sector was not active in Beijing. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's recently that private sector is taking on women's issues and actively addressing equal pay, uh, representation of women, uh, addressing products that uh, affirm or disaffirm women. So we are now having generation equality in order to engage all of these new stakeholders that we definitely need, but in particular, young people. So is Generation Equ Equality a project within UN Women, or is it technically a separate organization? It's not an organization, it's a campaign. It's a campaign. It's a campaign which UN, UN Women is a secretariat for the campaign. It has a lot of inputs and in, in contribution and leadership by uh, women's organizations, civil society, but it involves governments, the ones that identify mm -hmm. with the issues the way women see them. Because when you sit at the United Nations, you actually discuss the issues a lot from the perspectives of government. And sometimes women feel shortchanged because they want to have their undiluted voices. Uh, if they contribute at the, U at the UN, member states have to agree that this is how this issue stands. Generation mm -hmm. equality is where women can say it the way they see them, they, the way they see it, rather, undiluted, and their voices hold their own. So with so you mentioned climate and technology being two of the more recent yeah. biggest issues. What, what themes do you notice um, 
in terms of the ways that climate or technology affect women disproportionately to men? What are the specific things that, that women are set out to fix that may, may be invisible to men or to governments at large? Just If you just take a, a clim climate, for instance, one of the big challenges of uh, climate change is land degradation, droughts, uh, uh, floods, uh, the uh, crops that are becoming extinct. The tilling of land is a women's issue in most countries. They are the ones who produce food. When land cannot is not viable, it is a big issue for women. So they are the ones that are the first to, to be out of work. And of course, uh, they, that also creates a lot of food insecurity in communities and with families. So women have a higher stake in ensuring that the land is used in such a way that it is protected. Water, the shortage of water. In many countries, women literally fetch water and bring water into the house. Mm -hmm. uh, Anything that disturbs the supply of water is a big uh, women's issues. But women are not necessarily at the places where the decision about what has to be done uh, are taking place. As of the 25% engagement of women in climate decision is a no-no because men can discuss all kinds of things except these issues that are so dear to women's hearts. And by the way, these are not women's issues per se because land degradation is also a men's issues because women produce food that everybody eats. But uh, it's women who actually have a first-hand experience of how this, these changes are affecting their lives. So let's say, so you're saying that there are certain issues that women are quicker to recognize. What are, if let's say that we were not addressing those things, what do you think the focus would be? Like, what, what are the things that men are more likely to bring up that women are not? Well, they're likely to, to, to take big issues like uh, transport, how much you travel, uh, uh, reducing your carbon footprint. A lot of women don't fly. Right. Certainly. Cool. So they're not yeah. focused on, on, on uh, they're they addressing issues of uh, maybe energy, in infrastructure that is energy efficient, very important, very good. But these are really high level issues. Women need energy, but uh, they are not talking about, uh, not looking at energy issues in the same way as men. They actually need just a solar panel mm -hmm. to address uh, the energy needs at a household level, energy to cook, energy to light for children to do homework, very basic. They are not looking at uh, energy infrastructure that is uh, of a huge. So it's also looking at the scale at which you enter this issue. You have to provide both the big superstructure for energy, but also the basic household uh, response. So in many countries, even now, when f fossil fuels is being pushed back, they would still be thinking about power station, not thinking about a, a mini grid that can be uh, acceptable in a community setting. So do you think that when the media talks about climate change issues in general, do you think that we're, we're more naturally seeing it through a more male lens? Of course. Because yeah. of, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when women speak about it, they're asking for different things. They're not denying that these other things are not important, but, you know, you need to also provide these interventions that will address the immediate issues that affect women. That's so interesting. 
Yeah, so moving back to generation equality, you mentioned uh, you're, you're inviting activists from just a range of ages to participate. And I'm sure there are a lot of sort of people on the younger side or they're very invested mm-hmm. in climate change. They're inheriting the world and how we treat it sort of depends mm-hmm. on them. Apart from integrating climate change more, what are some of the other goals of generation equality and what sets it apart from the work that you do with UN Women? Yeah, uh, it, it doesn't really set it apart, okay. but uh, it takes it to the next and, and, and higher level, but also agency with generation equality because we are, there is a radical impatience uh, because people of my age, we've yeah. waited for so long, I can't take it any longer. But also the... It's refreshing because the younger people also are just born impatient. Mm-hmm. So that <laughs> impatience is also very, very uh, endearing, uh, if, if, if you like. So generation equality, I've said it, we're addressing climate, we're addressing innovation and technology, but uh, economic justice, you know, the level at which women uh, participate and benefit from economies, uh, classical example that everybody can relate to is equal pay, for instance. I mean, that is such a basic right. And a hundred years ago was when the Convention for Equal Pay was passed. The fact that today we, we are where we are, where the gap is about 25% uh, on a global average between men and women is really a, a crisis. So radical impatience means we want it to be fixed now. You cannot just do it step by step, step by step, because it's going to be another 20 years, you know, or more uh, before it happens. And generation equality also has uh, sexual health and reproductive rights and bodily autonomy, which says my body is my body. Uh, You cannot have a a whole lot of bunch of people who are non-uterus owners deciding on what's going to happen. To, 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 the, to the women's life. So that is another important uh, uh, focus of, of generation equalities. And then it focuses also on leadership, participation, and building movements. Because uh, in order for uh, the issue to have uh, a majority and a broader uptake, you actually need to create movements, movements within movements and broader movements, <laughs> as well as expanding the participation, for instance, men and boys. Uh, who are kind of bystanders uh, in this journey, you actually want to build a movement in which men also take responsibility for advancing gender equality. In, throughout all of your work, what have you noticed as some of the best ways to build a movement and to get buy-in from people who may not be directly affected by some of these issues? Uh, well, uh, in the olden days, we used to do door-to-door literally, you know, person by person. But thank God now, because of technology, you can actually speak to many people all at the same time through through social media and other uh, technology and other issues that depend on technology. So we are actually building now movements by reaching out to people, like what we're doing now, uh, hopefully. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, But I have to say, we also need to make sure that uh, we actually check and feel the pulse of the people because uh, hashtag movements sometimes can be devoid of, th- of the soul because this work is hard. You really need to be uh, engaged and therefore you do need people-to-people contact. If for any reason you are down, you need someone else to lift you, you actually 
need human contact. So we do need to use technology to stimulate the interest and the participation, but we actually also still need to be in touch offline and have real normal relationships with, with the touch and feel. Yes. You know, look like at your smile. Days. Yeah. <laughs> When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Speaking about sort of integrating the face-to-face dialogue with a movement that you can broadcast, maybe with technology, can you talk to us a little bit about the Generation Equality Forums coming up? I'm thinking that there will be a lot of dispatches from those, from participants, a lot of whom are digital natives who share that information really quickly. So you have two coming up this year, one in May in Mexico and one in July in Paris. What are your key themes? So to to launch uh, Generation Equality, we will be in Mexico in May from the 7th uh, to the 8th. And the key focus in Mexico is going to be about leadership, both celebrating the leadership uh, of the women who have led the movement, but bringing in young people, those who are already activists and strengthening them and cross-fertilizing ideas with the women who are much older, almost like bringing in young women to to stand on the shoulders of the women who have been there so that they can see even much further than we we can see. Ensuring also that uh, you bring in young people who have never been anywhere else. We expect in Mexico to have a lot of young people who would be traveling for the first time from outside their country. And, And you actually want them to be in this environment where they will be meeting highly experienced committed activist and to get uh, almost uh, uh, given the view of where the world has come from and how fast and how further it could still go. In Beijing, this is what happened. A lot of the people who went to Beijing uh, say now, you know, when I was in Beijing, the penny dropped and I was never the same. I said, holy what? (laughs) There is so much to be done, and this is how complex this thing is. I'm going to dedicate my life to do this. This is a moment of connection in Mexico and in France to get the younger people to get that same feeling. The penny must drop, and they must make the lifetime commitment to be gender activists. If you see the old women who have been gender activists, they will tell you that there is not even a day, literally, that that is... That has happened to myself. Since I was 15, there was, there's not been a day when I'm not working for women. It is so hard. It needs so much dedication. But you need somewhere where you get injected yes. with this feeling. And Beijing provided that. It also created 
a point of connection with activists who were in government, almost in the closet, not knowing how to fight because they were not working in an institution that is user-friendly for feminism and women's rights. Probably they were the opposite. They were able to connect with activists and NGOs outside government who were in Beijing and individuals. So it created a, an alignment of these activists. And now you have activists in different institutions and structures who are working together, who have organically become each other's a support system and solidarity. But we need to reboot that injecting young people, broadening the areas and the places where you find young people. When we were in Paris this last weekend, and there was a lot of private sector participation, it was in one of the meetings to prepare for generation equality. And people in private sector were saying, it, is, it can be very lonely in private sector. This is what I'm doing in my company. This is what I'm doing. This is, these are the challenges that, that I'm feeling. And when I'm with you guys, I'm, I'm with like-minded. Now I am connected with other people with whom I can do my work, I can bounce ideas, and, but also you need the same from me. So we want to create that in, in Mexico and in Paris on a larger scale. Uh, where you have, uh, you know, visible and invisible hands that are holding together. Yeah, it sounds like people that met in 1995 in Be Beijing, some of them are still in touch, and this could be another opportunity oh, yeah. to sort of forge relationships that nourish each other for yeah. decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, so yeah, exciting. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, 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 it's a unique uh, type of solidarity because when you are in the same place where everyone is being mobilized and motivated for the same goal, it is a special feeling that is generated at that moment. When you leave and you go home, you stay with that feeling, and people who are with you in that moment become part of your support system. Amazing. You don't have to explain yeah. to each other what happened in Mexico. You just <laughs> yeah. know that this is what we committed to. And you are saying, check, are you still on it? Mm -hmm. And you, know, you give each other that energy. Yeah, I want to get a tattoo that says radical impatience <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Can you tell us a little bit about your work also with the private sector, the World Economic Forum, and the Gates Foundation? Well, uh, again, in broadening uh, the stakeholders and the participants of, uh, uh, participant, participants of activists that uh, should uh, advance gender equality, we reach out to the private sector because uh, they obviously uh, drive the economies and uh, an inclusive economy needs them to believe in gender equality so that they address gender equality within their companies. They address gender equality in the manner in which they relate to their, to their customers. And you also want shareholders uh, of, of, of those, those companies also to believe in, 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 in gender equality. So typically with private sector, you want companies to uh, certainly pay women equal, mm -hmm. that is like on top of the agenda. You want them to, for instance, procure from women so that uh, women are also able to benefit uh, from a private sector by selling their, their goods and services. You want them to have uh, policies uh, that uh, prevent uh, sexual harassment in the workplace and ways in which when it happens, uh, it will be addressed properly. I mean, we know now that uh, when a company has a policy on sexual harassment, a woman who's sexually harassed uh, has somewhere to go. 
can expect uh, to to be listened and increasingly but not yet uh, in every case can expect to be to, to be believed so you want to see that in private sector you also want to pr private sector HR to address ish benefits for women and men parental leave you know is a big issue uh, where you do not provide a parental leave for both men and women Women are at a disadvantage because when they take parental leave, they actually lose some of their rights at work. They fall behind uh, their uh, colleagues who, who are males, who themselves are having children in their homes, but they don't have a responsibility to look after those children. We want to fix that for every woman in every workplace. We also want private sector to address the, the work environment because you find that women are at particular levels in the workplace, in fact, just at the bottom in the majority of cases. So seniority, participation, and the leadership of women at the workplace are some of the issues that we tackle with, the, with, 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 with private sector. In the World Economic Forum, all of these issues come together because uh, it's, it is private sector and it deals with all of these issues. It is, the World Economic Forum is also interested in advancing these issues. So we support each other in making sure that uh, we, we take these issues forward. And they have a way of benchmarking companies and countries. That's really amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, you're not just uh, working with these countries to enact legislation. You mm -hmm. are working with private sectors to sort of build in protections for women while we're still waiting for those laws yeah. to yeah. be written and then enforced. Yeah, no, exactly. And also, in some, in some cases, private sector is... Uh, interested yeah. in, in taking steps forward. And sometimes uh, there may be uh, restrictions and legislation in their countries uh, that is not enabling. So we can work with them also to lobby uh, uh, government. And uh, we have things like uh, making sure that uh, product, feminine products for women need to be taxed in a way that does not uh, punish uh, women, uh, for instance. In fact, we argue that uh, they should be zero rated uh, because uh, in a way, women get taxed for, for their biology, yeah. you know, and that can't be right. Yeah, we were excited to see last week that Scotland became the first country yeah. to provide them mm. at no cost. Which and then in, in many countries where women don't have feminine products, uh, when they are school, at a school going age, that can be a reason to drop out of school. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, hopefully one day all of this will be free. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is, is why we have if, to fast track yes. now. Yeah. Radical impatience. If men menstruated, they mm. would be free. Oh, oh of yeah. course. Yeah. Of course. Because yeah. they, that's why we get toilet paper free. Yeah. Because yes. everybody uses <laughs> Everyone it. Everyone needs it. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. 
and you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. It seems that you've done, you've achieved so much and that you are involved in so many amazing causes and yet there is still work to be done, not just here, but but really across the world. Um, is I think we have a very, something very exciting to announce yeah. before yeah. we wrap up the interview. Um, so as you all know, International Women's Day is coming up on March 8th, which is a Sunday. So we're going to celebrate it a little bit early. Um, and we are so proud to announce our new Keep It 100 campaign for 2020. Um, it is a voting registration focused campaign in celebration of the 100th year of most women's suffrage. First wave. Yes, the first wave of women who were able to vote um, was about 100 years ago. So we are working in celebration of that as well as you know covering some of the ways in which not all groups of women not just in the United States, but obviously across the world have been granted, have not, you know, took longer or have not yet been granted the right to vote. Or can't access that right. Yes. Yeah. Which is becoming more and more popular in the United States, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but we are so proud to announce that we are launching this Keep It 100 campaign, um, partly in partnership with UN Women. Um, starting next week, we are releasing a sweater with Lingua Franca um, that says big ballot energy and $100 of every sweater will go towards UN Women. So wow. it is a... Yeah, so yeah. exciting. Yeah. We've been yep. talking a lot about equal participation of women in government, but also in the process to elect our governments. Can you talk about what interested you in our campaign, which is involved with, which basically our idea is just participate, yeah. get involved. Yeah. Ideally, that involves casting a vote mm. and removing barriers for other women to do the mm. same. Why is that important to you? Well, uh, in the first place, uh, congratulations for this cool campaign. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it is definitely the right thing to do. Uh, because uh, we do want women to be visible, to be engaged, and what way to be engaged than to be a candidate. It is very important that we give women the courage uh, and we tell them that uh, they are with it and that uh, they can do it. So it's, it's, it's the first thing is the encouragement of women to be, uh, to be participants. And of course, to encourage the rest of uh, women and men to vote for those for those women. We also have to address things like uh, electoral violence that sometimes women face uh, these days. And I think uh, in countries like America, very much uh, online, 
uh, we, we, we need to find a way of supporting them. When you see a woman, a woman who is a, a candidate being trolled, uh, you must step in and make sure that uh, they know that you are there and you believe in them. So there's so much that yeah. we can do as individuals in order to be present uh, in the lives of these women when they, they've already decided to step into the ring and to fight for us. Because when they go there, they are representing our needs. So UN women in every country, we support women during elections. We have what is called the situation room. In a country, when a country is having elections, we have a situation room where we have women of all parties in that situation room, both, uh, I mean, all monitoring what is happening to the women in the campaign. That helps to unite women across party lines because in the situation room, you focus on the uh, abuse of women that, that are running, uh, the exclusion of, of, of women for, from accessing fi finances and resources that, that are women. Uh, you also make sure that uh, when, when women uh, feel that uh, their message is either uh, being hijacked or sometimes they are ridiculed, uh, the, the way in which people will focus on how they dress and how they look, not just the women of their party, but all the women will say, let's not go there. It yeah. has nothing mm -hmm. to do with it. So it unites women even though they are competing. Absolutely. So keep a lookout for our campaign. You can easily find all the information about it on our Instagram, on either the main Betches account or at Betches Sup. This will also be in the newsletter today um, and on our website. And next week we should have the Lingua Franca sweaters available so that you can get a really cute sweater and also make a donation to UN yes. Women. And um, we're also launching our voter registration website. So basically on that website, you'll be able to register to vote. If you haven't already, you'll be able to check your polling registration and you'll be able to pledge to get three friends to vote as well. So go buy those T-shirts, yeah. go buy those T-shirts yes, yes. and, and let's get uh, those hundred dollars. Yes, <laughs> we have so sweater. many exciting things coming up for this campaign this year. It will be all year. Yeah, we so yeah. appreciate you coming in and bringing a, a global lens to why all of this is Thank so important you. too. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Until the end of democracy, I'm Sammy Fishbein. I'm Amanda Duberman. And this has been the Betches Hub Podcast. The Betches Hub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The SUP is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SUP at Betches.com. Batches.